Good morning to our loyal WFYL listeners around the world. Welcome back to your Philadelphia Friday, only on Fox News Radio. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in once again, because you still have the right to hear and the right to be heard. We're here with you on 1180 AM and broadcasting real-time at 1180WFYL.com. Coming to you straight from the birthplace of liberty, here in the greater Philadelphia area. And we continue to fight day in and day out as your voice of freedom in the Delaware Valley. I'm attorney Mike Giramita from Giramita Law Offices, but most of you know me as Mike G., and you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters. And you can listen to our program every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So let's be heard. Before we get into it, I want to remind our listeners about the powerhouse lineup we've got here at Fox News Radio, WFYL. We've got Ben Shapiro bringing you the Ben Shapiro Show weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Scott Adams bringing you the Scott Adams Show weekdays from 9 a.m. until noon. Second Amendment advocate Dana Lash comes on weekdays from 1 p.m. right until Ben Shapiro. And finally, we've got Michael Savage bringing you the Savage Nation weekdays at 6 p.m. So don't forget to tune in. And show him some love. And with that, you know what time it is. Buckle up and enjoy the ride. I've got a couple of very special guests with me here today. We've got Philly Chris. Are you with us? Yes, I'm here, Mike. Thanks for having me back in. And we've got the great Jose Morales of Philly Firearms Academy joining us once again. Jose, thanks for coming back. You with us? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for having me, Mike. Chris, good uh, that, to see you, virtually. <laughs> you too, Jose. Great to hear your voice. So, you guys, I want to hear what you've been up to. You know, a lot of the country's been locked up in the house these days. Chris, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners what you've been doing? Well, uh, yeah, I've been trying to really just focus on the, the positive, you know, while still keeping informed and trying to get an understanding of what's going on in our country right now. But uh, taking this time to focus on some uh, gardening and getting out and doing some hiking and keeping in touch with my family and kids and just trying to focus on the positive, but at the same time, keeping an eye on uh, what seems to be going on uh, here in our country and around the world. And Jose, how about yourself? Well, pretty much the same thing. We have a lot of, I have a lot of time now due to, you know, due to the COVID uh, situation, the social distancing and the whole nine yards. And so just trying to, to keep things in perspective, to not watch too much, uh, broadcast news. I try to limit it to once every three days. I uh, usually don't miss much. That's about the correct pattern. Once every three days is enough to keep you up to date. Um, just trying to uh, analyze the situation and just kind of keep a positive attitude and really look at the goings on more like a learning experience than anything else. Um, kind of like, listen, what can I do in the future better? How, how can I prepare for something, for, for an eventual situation or for uh, something similar to this and where are my weak areas in, in my survival plan, so to speak, you know? 
Sure. And Jose, do you think that a lot of people get down on themselves when things like this happen because they think, well, well, why didn't I think of this sooner? Why didn't I have this kind of plan in place sooner? Well, it, yes, they definitely do. But I don't think that people generally do that on their own per se. I mean, listen, I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, I'm sure. Right. But, you know, I'm not a big fan of of uh, of the uh, the mass media. And the other day I realized, you know, all you hear is doom and gloom. You never hear anything mm. positive. You don't hear any, any any encouragement, any support, anything positive. You know, so when you invited me to come on today, I was really excited because I think that we can, you know, share with your listeners some positive messages. And it's not all doom and gloom because, mm-hmm. you know, you're here to actually educate and inform. You know, mass media is there to sell airtime. And the doom, the more the ratings go up. You know, they're not, in the, they're not in the support business. They're in the selling airtime kind of business. So I'm glad to be here. And, uh, yeah, I've been focusing more on just keeping things in perspective, not really letting the uh, the voices, the virtual voices that are spoon-fed to us all the time kind of really get me down and, and really look at, at my my plans and, and my uh, and uh, the things that I've kind of taken for granted in my preps, in my preparation prior to, to all of this and see where the holes are, you know, like uh, not for you know being able to foretell that the toilet paper would have been a really big thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got thousands of rolls I, here. I, actually, I, I've been saving them. You're the one that I can't figure it out. I really can't figure it out. <laughs> 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 right, well, well, if you just bought it because it was on sale, that doesn't make you smart. That just makes it accidental, right? <laughs> I heard, I heard uh, Jose in a few weeks. It's going to be worth more than silver bullion. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I. I I don't doubt it. I, you know, most of us try to amass as much ammunition as possible, but Hey, you know, I, I just, I don't get the whole toilet paper thing. And I went shopping a couple of days ago and it was surreal. It was surreal. They the that whole aisle, that whole paper aisle. Right. I was totally empty. It's just the strangest thing, <laughs> but you know, go figure. But know. Chris and I have been talking about this for a few weeks now, even before, before you know, people started staying inside for extended periods of time. You'd be in the store and you'd notice that things like toilet paper were flying off the shelves. And if even if you were a person who didn't think, hey, this is the end of the world, this whole coronavirus business, you kind of had no choice but to grab as much as you possibly could. Because at that point, you realized when I come back next week, it might not be (laughs) here. Does that make sense, Jose? No, absolutely. But that's a whole kind of... um transference kind of counter transference dynamic of panic buying you know you right. see the shelves going and you say oh my goodness i better grab as much um of this that or the other than you know than uh, as possible because it may not be there next week not to, mm-hmm. you know not taking into account that there's no logic to having a mask um uh, you know all of this toilet paper but have no you know defensive ammunition or pepper spray or a way to communicate with your family in case of an emergency mm-hmm. you know Right. So what would you say are some of the most important things that we need to make sure we've got on hand in this kind of a situation? I'm not even talking about specific objects, but we could even go in categories, so to speak. Uh, Things like you mentioned self-defense and and, uh, communication, things of that nature. What do we need to be taking a look at? Well, given, you know, given the way that things are right now, I mean, ways to decontaminate yourself when you're out and about, if you have to be out and about, I think is really important. You know, uh, these past few weeks, uh, months is almost kind of brought to light how important it is to kind of be aware of what you're touching, you know, and Mm -hmm. how much, you know, how frequently we break those 
rules of hygiene that can transfer disease. And again, not to sound like, a, you know, conspiracy theorists, but how many times in the day we touch our faces, you know, or something as simple as, you know, what, you know, what, what do we touch throughout the day? So just being aware when we're out and about, just being able to decontaminate and clean ourselves, um, basic hygiene uh, in you know, on and around our car, you know, and, and in different places as well. So, you know, especially now, given the fact that, you know, we have this whole COVID situation. So a way to kind of uh, out about to be able to just stay as uh, as hygienic and clean as possible is really important. Have you noticed that things like uh, sanitizing wipes are off the shelves? You can't really find them anywhere? Sure, absolutely. It's that whole panic buying thing. You know, so, but you know what? Again, it's it's holes. I, I look at it like finding the holes in my plan, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't rely on, you know, I don't rely on those sanitary wipes or those those uh, those wipes um, to, to keep me clean because all you need is one-third part uh, bleach and two-thirds two, two part water um, in a solution and some rags, and you have homemade bleach wipes. Wow. So that's that's all you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. I think a lot of people don't even realize that. Yeah, so simply, you know, so now I'm not saying to go and stock up on bleach, have a little courtesy as well. You know, if there, uh-huh. if there are if there are three bottles of bleach, grab one and leave two for someone else. But yeah, a bottle of bleach is, is really useful. You know, one third part bleach, so two thirds part water. You put that in a uh, in a container. You get some shop towels, some, some shop towels. Those are like those thick um, paper towels. Hmm. Uh, so, like tub of towels. You ever see tub of towels? Tub of towels. Is, yeah, is that like yeah, a yeah. ShamWow, Mike? Is that like a ShamWow? <laughs> 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 no, that's a little more durable. That's a little that's more durable. Little but part. yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that whole box. They had them at, at, um, at Home Depot and Lowe's. I was, at Lowe's. I was at Lowe's a couple of, uh, about a week ago. And my wife and I bought one of those 500 t- shop towel boxes. And, you, oh, you yeah. know, you get a bunch of those. Yeah, get a bunch of those. Put them in a Ziploc baggie. Uh, create your mixture of one-third of bleach to two-thirds water. Um, have that in a gallon jug and fill, and you make your own moistened fetch. Sounds good. Uh, yeah, these are so things that I don't bag you again. Yeah, I don't I know if um, this is a good idea, and what I'm about to say is completely fabricated, but I've been putting in about one third bleach into my morning coffee instead of <laughs> <laughs> to keep the virus away. But maybe that's not that a good would idea. definitely, yeah, that would definitely yeah. wake you up as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it couldn't hurt, but yeah, I don't know. It cleans out the sinuses, I have to say. Sorry, I just saw an opportunity. And and Philly, Chris, you know what bleach coffee goes best with? What's that? A bowl of mustard for dessert, you knuckle. Let Jose talk. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Like, you know, while we're out and about, you know, just having ways to kind of clean ourselves and be as clean as possible. Just be, you know, little things, being aware of little things like what we touch and stuff. Our steering wheels, you know, decontaminate that. Or the handles to our cars. You have to be out, decontaminate that. Our wallets, you know, maybe... You know, if every no one is really accepting cash anymore, so I was thinking, okay, go on ahead, just keep the couple of the credit cards that you use with your driver's license. Maybe get one of those um, those tactical hard wallets, the ones that are made of like metal or they they're not breathable fabric like leather mm. and stuff. It's easier to wipe down. So little things like that, I'm you know I'm, I'm are coming to mind as I'm out and about and just again finding those holes in my uh, in my emergency preparedness planning, which are coming to light based on the goings on, you know. So what about uh, something like hand sanitizers flown off the shelves? Do you know any of the t- 
types of things that you could use for something like that? That uh, Because I presume that you're not putting the bleach stuff on your skin. Or, or am I wrong about that? No, 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 no. You actually, you can use, um, there's a formula for that um, as well. There is, if you can find aloe vera gel, uh-huh. um, and you can, and, if, and alcohol, um, at least 70% alcohol, uh, and you mix the 70% alcohol, um, with aloe vera gel. And if you have some essential oils, you can, you can get some of that to scent it up. Uh, you, there's, there are formulas online for handmade, um, uh, hand sanitizer. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I, I sent one to a couple of, uh, my followers on Instagram last, um, uh, last week I posted one, give me one second. I'll look it up. And I'll tell you the exact uh, the exact ratio. But yeah, you can you, know, you can cobble things like that together. It's again thinking outside of the box and and you know just uh, improvising and and you know making it happen. I feel like I'm talking to MacGyver of of cleanliness right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you really know, <laughs> it is good information though because you're right. I think you know I've been out a few times here and there trying to minimize going out, but it's definitely one of those things that seems to be missing at every store I've gone to. So that's oh, great, absolutely. great information, Jose. Yeah. Chris, do you have yeah, any absolutely. improvised sort of stuff? Because uh, uh, I know that you usually make things out of batteries and stuff like that. Yeah, I like to. I, I feel like you're getting stuff. left out over here. I did make a dandelion <laughs> tea this morning for the first time ever. Uh, how do you oh, do? Very good. It's good stuff. Yeah, I've, I've heard about it. I never tried it, but uh, since we're on that topic, uh, Mike, I went out and pulled all the dandelions and boiled them, and then um, threw a little uh, sugar in there and drank it. So dandelion tea, it's supposed to have a lot of antioxidants and vitamin C, which should help with the immune system. So, and it wasn't that bad. I had heard about trying it. You've had it, Jose, it sounds like? I have, but I'm not brave enough to actually pluck the dandelion. You never know who walked their dog where. But (laughs) hey, more more power to you, brother. We boiled it for like three days, even though I did it this morning. But, uh, <laughs> nice, nice. No, it's like dark brown anyway. So, you know, right, right. Good. <laughs> so, what you don't know doesn't hurt you, right? Right. Oh, take a little bleach, a little bleach coffee afterwards. You're good to go. Bleach coffee. There you go. That's a, right. That's what the bleach coffee's for. <laughs> now, I did hear if you add a little extra sugar and some uh, wine yeast, you can actually turn it into alcohol. So, not saying I did that, but. Maybe in a few weeks I'll have some of that available if you want to try it. And, and, and you know, and which brings me to my um, another point. I, I went down to the uh, to the liquor liquor store or liquor area of uh, my local giant, and right. there's nothing. There's nothing. I mean, it's like the the, the shows are like barren as well. Well, they closed you the know? state stores, which is a little. It seems like a silly time to do it with all the tax revenue that comes into the state. They could have converted that into medical supplies, possibly. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. My and my hat, you know, my uh, hats off to anybody in the medical field and, and people who are in those um, businesses that they can go ahead and convert their uh, their machinery to make hand sanitizer. That's uh, oh, um, I, I found the the recipe there, Mike, guys. So it's two thirds cup of uh, of of uh, rubbing alcohol. Ninety nine, ninety one percent is better, but you know, seventy percent is okay. I think I believe sixty percent is like the minimum, but mm. so the more the higher the concentration. So two thirds cup of alcohol, uh, rubbing alcohol to one third cup of aloe vera gel, mix those up together. And that is a hand sanitizer with some wow. essential oils and stuff. So if, you get to, if you have your hands on the essential oils, you can cook, cook, put a couple of drops of, you know, whatever, grapefruit, lavender, whatever. And that's it. You're good to go. Mm. Wow. Well, so it sounds like we get the cleanliness 
uh, side all squared away. Unless you want to teach us how to make soap like they did on Fight Club or anything. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, only, only made of the fat of your conquered enemies. And that's right. You gotta <laughs> go uh, steal so some fat. with your enemies and then <laughs> harvest their fat. Uh, uh, for a commercial on that one. How about on the defensive side of things, Jose? Because I, I have a lot of people who are calling my office who are uh, prospective first-time gun owners. And now we're seeing that a lot of the places, the gun stores, don't even have any inventory left. They're just completely sold out. So you might have these people who, you know, they didn't think about becoming a law-abiding gun owner until this type of uh, event takes place. So now they're left without a firearm to protect themselves. Are there other things that they could look into? Or what do you recommend with respect to uh, self-protection in a situation like this? And that's, you know, that's a great question. It's funny, you know, you mentioned that, Mike, because uh, I've gotten a slew of calls from people who um, uh, would never have thought of buying a gun mm-hmm. um, um, for different reasons and have been contacting me uh, and they, they want to pull the trigger, pun intended, on a gun or have pulled the trigger on a gun or asking them what kind of gun to get or what's, you know, it's, and it was, it's, I've never had um, as many people on the fence before contact me all at once. It's it's the freakiest thing. I wish it would have happened a year ago, but you know, and I tell them, you know, and ask what kind of gun to get. And I go, get it. It's too little, too late. You know, it's, you want to get a gun. I totally get it. You know, times are uncertain. It's natural to want to protect yourself and your family. Um, but buying an, a gun knee jerk because of, you know, perceived kind of threats um, is really, really dangerous. Um, you know, and again, it's not just, it's because it's panic buying, but 20 years ago, you know, during like Y2K when there was panic buying, you know, you could go out and get a safety class now because of the guidelines for COVID, you can't even, you know, get together with students and, and, and teach you how not to shoot yourself. You right, know? right. So right. it's kind of like, okay, I'm going out to buy a, a really, really fast sports car, right? Uh-huh. I have to drive in an emergency, but I don't know how to drive. And I don't have, a car, but I'm going to go buy a car, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Or, or a semi. It's, you know, and I'm not saying that people don't buy a car or, you know, or don't buy a gun, you know, but and, and then, uh, holes, analyze these holes in your preparedness plan. And when things kind of level out, go and take a damn class, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> go, and take, uh, go and learn how to how to not shoot yourself or your family by accident but uh, you know uh, so jose are uh, you doing any kind of virtual classes uh for especially the students because it seems that you could well, put you together should... some kind of a, a one-on-one kind of thing a don't shoot yourself kind of <laughs> kind of thing uh, <laughs> right. uh via the internet what do you got going on well i'm in the process of putting the finishing touches on a virtual class um we're going to start offering them in the next week or so um, and again, it's one of these things where it's better than nothing. See, you know, again, I, I again, I'm preaching to the choir, Mike, because you're a gun guy, you get it. Chris, you're a gun guy, you get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I had a guy, you know, contacted me uh, to, to a couple of days ago and, he, you know, went out and bought a gun. And he goes, and I go, listen, you know, he goes, yeah, I can't wait to go shoot. And I go, wait a second, why don't we teach you how not to shoot yourself in the foot? Because it's the set. No, no, no. Learn how to shoot, right? Anything with opposable thumbs and could understand the fundamentals of marksmanship can learn how to shoot. That's easy, accurately. Um, not to shoot yourself mm. or someone else by accident while you're shooting. That's really deceptively difficult, right? Um, you know, I'm sure that, you know, you, you'd attest to that, Mike. You know, given, you know, the cases that you've worked on where 
quote unquote experts have shot themselves by acting, right? Plenty. You know, <laughs> plenty, so, plenty yeah. of them so what would yeah. you if someone can't get a firearm right now because uh we're talking about places even being sold out uh, you know tony over at dvsc somebody sent a sent me a photo of his store a couple of weeks ago lying out the door and down the entire block absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous so wow. let's say somebody doesn't have a fire they're they're not able to to get a firearm, is there anything that you would recommend to them with respect to personal protection or security? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, let, me, let me just back up for a second. I'm not trying to dissuade people from getting a gun. I think that, you know, getting having a way to protect yourself is better than not having a way to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that the, 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 the main key is to, is to answer those questions that we've talked about in our podcast, right, is before you even go buy a gun, can you take a human life? Mm-hmm. I can you mm-hmm. can you shoot someone dead if you needed to because you had absolutely no choice right and I think a lot of these people that are panic buying don't answer that question right and if right. the question is I don't know maybe or I'm not sure then they're pepper spray you can go ahead and, and dig out the golf clubs from your garage that you never used to have something you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, your baseball bat but the thing is this again it's all if someone breaks in Jose do you yell four or no <laughs> I won't even Sorry, give them the benefit. Right. I don't give them the benefit of knowing what okay. the swing is coming. But right. that that's a really good that's a really good point because the people you know people that haven't decided you know that they would do whatever it takes to be able to protect themselves prior to needing to do so would hesitate at the moment of swinging right. and probably yell for. Um, and that person that's coming at you, they're not going to give you a forewarning. They're going to go ahead and, and, and look at you as a, a, an impediment for, to them getting what they need, be it hand sanitizer, bleach, food, right. Uh, right. Your, your watch, or whatever. You know, right. They've that, already decided they could care less. Yeah. You know, that's something to think about, though. Are we going to see an uptick in violence because people are running out of resources? And not to mention the fact that, uh, you know, we found out that Philadelphia police aren't going to be enforcing certain mm. laws or they're not going to be arresting for certain crimes, rather. Uh, which they can, announced can we to the entire local <laughs> Right. Which is a genius plan, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, just, you know, by the way, if you decide you want to break the law, we're not really going to stop you right now. You ever see well, dodgeball? It's a bold strategy. Let's see if it pays off for him. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. But, you well, know, it's you know, interesting look, to think that we might see a rise in, in violence, uh, Jose. Do, do you think that's possible? Listen, anybody, Mike, Chris, have you guys driven anywhere in the past week? Very little. Have you, have you fed, but have you, have you moved your car from one place to another and leave it for, for, for a minute? If you've driven anywhere, if you if you yeah. if you if yeah. you've traversed anywhere, if you've gone out shopping, people's patience is waning mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Sure. There is very anxiety is high, patience is low. People are stressed out. They all have the you know they all have the the gaze look in their eyes when they're out shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been beaten for coughing on public transportation. So this. Mm-hmm is absolutely, I think violence is going to skyrocket. And it hasn't really because of social distancing and people staying at home. But I've noticed that I've had a shorter fuse, you know, when driving sure. or a shorter fuse. If I have to be, if I have to pick up, I had to pick up some medicines um, at the pharmacy the other day. And the lady in front of me was going through one item. And, and I, my patience was really, really, it was wearing thin. Now I'm a right. guy. You know, so uh, imagine, and I have self-control, 
imagine people who have no self-control or problem-solving skills, you know? So mm-hmm. again, I, yeah, absolutely. So if, you know, then violence, having pepper spray is a defensive option, having um, awareness and alertness, plans in place, diffusing the situation prior to it happening, um, you know, not uh, maybe resorting to anger as your first impulse, you know? Somebody says to you, hey, man, you're going to be all day on that damn line? You go, listen, I'm really sorry. I, I apologize. I'll be done as quickly as possible. Instead of escalating? Yeah, de-escalate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, de-escalate. Mm-hmm. And little things like that, because if you can't find the pepper spray, you know, you have to have uh, alternatives other than, you know, than just resorting to violence. So, um, yeah, get a gun if you can, you know, but just be aware that if you don't, you know, if you haven't had that mental commitment to protect yourself, it's going to be taken and used against you, you know? So, but let's say you do get a gun. Yeah, absolutely get a gun. Sure, get a gun, but also get dummy rounds too. Mm-hmm. Dummy rounds. Mm-hmm. Are, so you can practice loading mm-hmm. and unloading that gun Straight, properly. Yeah, right, right. Um, that's how I teach my classes, you know, that you, have, that you have to learn how to do. And that's incredibly valuable. You know, learn the safety rules if you decide to get a gun. Don't just read them, you know, memorize them and then practice them, right? Um, read the manual of your damn gun. Buy a gun, but then re- RTFM, read the friggin' manual. <laughs> yeah, it's a good manual to read. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, buy a quality gun safe. You know, gun, you know, don't get a $30, you know, lockbox if you're going to buy, a, you know, a, a, a gun. You know, you wouldn't buy a $30 tripod if you have a $2,000 camera. So why would you? No, yeah. no, you'd be something that's going to secure that darn gun. Again, and, and holster, securing, holster, you know, good holster, right? A good holster, you know, listen, if you have a license to carry, the gun should be on your body. Right. Right. And if it's right. going to be secured, then it's going to be secured. And, uh, but again, so just little things to, to kind of think about. Um, I just, again, don't look at, uh, you know, at going out and buying something just because you think you need to have something really do your due diligence, your research, and have a commitment, a mental commitment to train. And if you need to use it, you know, make those decisions prior to having to make them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose, I saw a phenomenal documentary uh, a while back. It was going back quite some time, but it was an excellent documentary about this child who lived in Chicago. And he ultimately had to make improvised weapons because there were two, these two burglars who were after him when his family wasn't home. And he ended up using a blowtorch <laughs> and some cans of paint and some nails in the ground. Wait, no, that's Home Alone. I'm starting to sound like no, Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. <laughs> micro machines are going to be all sold out. People are going to panic by micro machines. You're on the radio show. You're I on the airplane. I could have sworn that was a documentary. I, I'm, uh, I must be I, I'm turning into Joe Biden over here, aren't I, guys? It's Friday. You're on your show. It's, uh, Joe Biden's gonna gonna tell that story one of these days. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. So, Philly Chris, I want to shift gears here a little bit. And what do you see as far as this whole thing unfolding? I know that in weeks past, you've talked a little bit about some of your predictions and what you see uh, happening out there, and and what you think is going to come next. Do you have anything fresh on your mind? I'm, I'm yeah. Cool. Sounds like we're getting a little uh, craziness from the interweb. There we had somebody it, it, step over us. The government doesn't want right? you to speak, Chris. The government—they're <laughs> trying to shut me up again, Mike. They're trying to shut me up. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, thanks for asking. You know, it's been interesting as we've discussed uh, the numbers and the metrics over the past several weeks. As this is uh, 
progressed and you know as we talked about you know it's really difficult and challenging to look at these numbers and understand them and put a lot of faith in them because of the way they've come to us from other nations and even here you know the limited testing and the way the tests are being used so i still don't have a ton of faith in the numbers i mean obviously we have these these deaths that have occurred and the virus has been identified but um I found out some information just the other day that the testing itself is is potentially picking up all of the SARS uh, viruses or any SARS virus because the CV19, you know, coronavirus, novel coronavirus that they call CV19 is still a SARS-based uh, virus. So, you know, it makes me question the numbers even more to some degree than we talked about initially. And that's think good that news. it's possible that these numbers that we're seeing are actually higher than what they actually are? Well, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, I think it would indicate to me that the numbers are probably lower, and maybe that's why we're seeing just today it was reported in New York that they're sort of hitting a plateau and it's slowing down a little bit, so that's great news. Um, and that might indicate that some of that testing and the early percentages, you know, in the modeling could have been off when they were talking about upwards of 2.2 million, and I know I even mentioned some high numbers if it was just like the Spanish flu pandemic where the death rates were that high. But, you know, that's after the fact, looking back at reliable data sources, where right now we're still kind of muddling through the the numbers and the source of those numbers and what they truly mean and how they'll end up. And hopefully, you know, it may be that it's going to start to slow down, but we're still seeing it continue to travel around the globe. So we don't know for sure. It's hard to say. I hope that's what happens. And maybe well, the testing. Go ahead. Well, let's. Let's take a look at the numbers. Let's see what we've got right now. In the United States, we've got uh, almost 467,000 confirmed cases. Uh, that's an increase by almost 32,000 for today. Um, as of today, you've got a little over 16,000 deceased. That's a serious number when you think about it. Um, yeah, because when we saw things like the swine flu, I think that's roughly where they were when it was all said and done. We do have twenty six and a half thousand recovered and it says that you've got approximately sixty seven hundred in serious condition in New York alone. You've got one hundred and sixty one thousand confirmed cases. It's ten thousand more on the day. Seven thousand deceased uh, up eight hundred on the day. You do have over 13,000 recovered in New York and about 4,500 that are serious. Pennsylvania, almost 19,000 confirmed. Let's call it 18 and a half. Uh, it's almost 2,000 more today. 360 deceased. That's 46 more today. That's, you see that these numbers are, are very much smaller than you see in New York and 404 recovery. Right. It says zero serious. It's, I, that can't be possible. It can't be possible that we have zero serious um, coronavirus cases in Pennsylvania throughout the entire Commonwealth right now. So that, that's got to be off. Right. New Jersey, over 50,000 confirmed cases. <clears throat> that's up 3,500 on the day. Uh, roughly 1,700 deceased, uh, up almost 200 on the day. 2,400 recovered, and it says, again, zero serious. So I don't know where they're getting that number. Delaware is very interesting because they're you know geographically close right. by. But you got 1,200 confirmed cases, 23 deceased, 23 mm. in Delaware. And I know Delaware is not huge or anything like that, but that's something to be said. You know, Manhattan's not huge. There's a lot of people in Manhattan, but uh, – you know, it's interesting that you've only got 23 who have died over in Delaware. 
and 144 recovered, zero serious. Other countries we need to take a look at, Italy, 143,000 confirmed cases, over 18,000 deceased. Think about that. Over in Italy, they've got more people deceased than than we do over here with that much smaller population. They do have over 26,000 recovered, uh, but that's right about what we're at at this point in time. Right. And they've got 3,600 serious cases right now. Spain, 153,000 confirmed. A little over 15,000 deceased, 52,000 recovered, and a little over 7,000 serious. Again, it just shows how China's numbers are absolute garbage. Right, it's right. totally impossible that a, a nation with over a billion people, what do they got, 1.6 billion people around? Yeah, have o- only number. only 83,000 cases right. where it originated. It's just not, oh, it says that they, they lost, they had two more people die today. They had 104 more cases mm-hmm. um, as of today. It, it doesn't seem possible. So that, I think that shows that they totally lied about the numbers from the start, don't you think? Yeah, that's what it seems like. And I know that you and I even talked about that briefly you know, a little bit on some of the past episodes where early on, you know, it just didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And there's some external and uh, tertiary reports coming out of China through other media channels that are probably more reliable, frankly, than the government, uh, you know, uh, methods that indicate that death tolls are probably much higher. And I think we've all at this point seen some of the leaked footage and heard the stories about, um, you know, cell phone data usage going down by some pretty extreme numbers. You know, there's 15 million that. supposedly stopped using yeah. their cell phone. Right. right. They just so, stopped. They didn't cancel yeah, just, their you know, plan. We're not going to use our just phone. Say, hey, we're not going to use phones anymore. 15 million yeah. people. I think, and, you know, that that's certainly an indicator. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could consider. First of all, you know, the fact that they are welding these buildings shut, they are killing these people who are exhibiting symptoms. Right. Um, also, I mean, there are people who floated the idea that if China created this thing on purpose, then certainly they'd have some way to eradicate it, right? Is that something that's plausible? You know, it's, it's very possible at this point, the way things have been going, it's... Um I suppose uh, history is going to be interesting when we have the opportunity to look back at, at the historic references on this and the reality and when the truth comes out. But I think anything is possible right now with some of the things we've seen happening related to this virus. How did it get out? Where did it come from? I saw a report today that they are now claiming, but I'd have to check the source on it, that there were no bats in that Wuhan wet market. And they're saying the uh, genetic code, the RNA code on the virus is partially from a bat and partially from a snake like a reptile so but if that wasn't there then where did it come from so and it's, mm-hmm. you know this thing was in a lab not far from wuhan and other places around the globe i'm not saying that i know what happened there but these are questions we probably all need to consider as a society with this thing waving around the globe where did it come from how did it happen why are we in a position that you know that we're in not to deal with it as well as we probably should have been able to but the numbers are not very reliable either so i'm not sure we know exactly what we're dealing with still which is crazy at this point yeah and it's interesting to see the way these other politicians are dealing with it uh, particularly cuomo over in new york how he was complaining so much at the outset about how hey we need forty thousand of these right, things what am i going right. to do with 400 right and yeah. it doesn't seem like that number has been reached or anything close to that right yeah, it seems like it's trended down quite a bit. And uh, according to the number of ventilators released by the federal government to New York, 
Um, it wasn't as many as they originally needed. And they also found that stockpile recently, too, that supposedly they were holding on to. And then the federal government found out about and reminded them that they had those and they should probably start using them. So there's some questions there. I mean, I know things happen logistically and we're in a, an emergency, but some of the stuff going on is, is a bit odd. So what's in it for Cuomo to get on TV and to, to make all this fuss and everything like that? Because he gets on every single day, right? Um, do you think that there's some kind of bigger play for him to run for president? I know that he's said publicly that he's not interested in doing that. But it seems like uh, there's got to be something to that, no? Seems like there could be, sure. It's a lot of airtime for someone in his position with how much he has going on. I mean, certainly not a bad thing to inform the public, but a lot of people have uh, said exactly what you just said, Mike. So maybe there's an ulterior motive there. We'll see what happens in the long run, but it wouldn't surprise me at this point. I'll talk a little bit about the election. You know, we've got, we saw Bernie just drop out this week. So now it's official, or at least it seems it's going to be official that it's going to be Biden versus Trump for the presidential election. Unless Mm -hmm. at the convention, there's some kind of brokered convention and we see something else happen, right? And that's where somebody like a Cuomo would come in if uh, the party really feels like Biden doesn't give them a solid opportunity uh, because of the you know the appearances that he's had recently sure it's it's not just me right he's out there and he's saying these ridiculous things like you got to play the record player so you're while your kids are sleeping so they can hear it and things of that nature i mean it's Uh, an important thing to be concerned with if you're the president it it, it is (laughs) (laughs) i mean no not to make lighter i know we talked about it on the show before and you had mentioned a, a an important fact that it seems to be a medical condition. So it's not, yeah, you know, really I, a joke. I feel, yeah, I, so I yeah. definitely am in a position where I don't want to make fun of, I feel, I feel bad for the guy. Sure. I feel bad for the guy running him out there and he's having these moments where he just pauses and can't remember where he's at and things of that nature. So, um, but I will tell you this, he is, he's never been a friend of the second amendment. Jose, I know you deal with a lot of people um, from all different uh, political affiliations when they come in for lessons. Uh, what do you do to talk to people so that they understand the ramifications of politics on their gun rights and things of that nature? I just tell them to listen, to, to get both sides of, of the argument, the pro and the, you know, and not just go with, with their knee-jerk reaction what they hear on one one news network, you know, get get the other side of the of the argument as well, so they can make the best decision for them. I mean, the bottom line is, these politicians have armed guards with fully automatic firearms and things that you and I will never be able to get. Mm-hmm. You know, technology that you know, and that you know that are used to protect them and their families. You know, so and also, if you're a pro firearms person or pro Second Amendment person, and you're trying to speak to your anti gun you know, or a person on the fence, you know, you know, just don't, don't quote statistics, you know, use an emotional argument, you know, um, instead of saying, you know, there was, you know, just blur blurting out like numbers, say, listen, wouldn't you like the opportunity to be able to protect yourself with the exact same thing that the president's family is protected with? Protect mm. your family with the same firearm. Would you, you know, would you, do you think that those teachers at that high school um, or that middle school would have rather had an option other than their bodies to protect those children. Right. You know, things like, um, argue, make the argument from, from, a, a common ground and, and a, a place they can relate to, you know, not just from a, a cold, sterile number. 
That's well, a great that's Jose. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I think and, let, and, let, and then let them make that. I'm sorry. I'm not going to cut you off. Megan. Let them make their own decision. I'm not here to change your mind. I'm not here to, you know, I'm here to, you know, train you if you need to, to keep you from hurting yourself and someone else. But I'm a firm believer, Mike, you've heard me say this before, everybody is anti-gun until they get pistol whipped. That's the whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe, whoa, maybe I should get a gun. All right. All right, yeah, there really is. Yeah, good. Uh, Jose, a question. I have a question for you, Jose. I know you're one of the top NRA instructors in the country, and, you go back uh, quite some ways with Mike and some organizations in the area and things of that nature. But right now, it's one of the things I was thinking about as someone who had the opportunity to learn how to safely use and be around firearms at a very young age, I'd imagine there's a lot of folks you know, listening right now, possibly listeners in the community, in the area who are new gun owners, because we know a lot of new guns were just sold and they may even have children in their home. And i pretty sure because I've looked at it enough and I want to get your professional opinion because you know more about this, but the accidents we see oftentimes with children in homes that have firearms um, are often because they weren't exposed to it. They weren't taught how to safely stay away from it and, and acknowledge it and they might come across it. So right now, if people are listening and they are new gun owners and they have children in the home, what, what advice might you give them? Well, that's a really good question, Chris. Thank you for, for, for bringing it up. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that there is a large a number of brand new gun owners out there that have kind of, uh, kind of purchased their firearms recently. And to those people that want to say, well, fold, um, we're happy to have you. We mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. on the dark side. We're happy to have you. If you have questions, <laughs> right. we have bacon here. We have chocolate on the dark side. <laughs> welcome, to, welcome to the family of, of tin foil hat wearing gun nuts. Welcome. You're officially a gun nut. <laughs> um, with that said, right? Any of us, any reach out to your gun nut friends, Chris. You're you're the designated gun nut friend of those people around you that don't have guns, right? Mike, you're the gun nut because you own at least one gun, right? So you're the gun nut friend of somebody you know who doesn't have a right. gun. So people, new 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 gun owners, reach out to your gun nut friends. You know, reach out to us and ask mm-hmm. us questions. You know, ask us for resources. Uh, ask us for you know best practices. You know, uh, and and uh, and learn from us. That's number one. You know, we can't go to the ring to teach you right now, but be happy to do that. Number two, buy. You know, invest at least dollars in and secure that gun. I'm a firm believer at anything that pretty much is under two hundred dollars is fairly useless. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. it, it, you have to be able to lock that gun up with about as much security as if you have to feel comfortable putting your jewelry. And your valuables in that box. If you don't feel comfortable locking up your most prized possessions in that in that lockbox, um, then that gun safe is is substandard. To be absolutely honest with you, there's a really uh, there's a a, 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 a lockbox by a company called uh, Fort Knox, like um, you know Fort uh, where they store the gold. Fort Knox. Right, right, right. Uh, Fort Knox lockboxes are made in America. They are 16 gauge steel. I make no money from them, but I'm a, I'm a huge fan of that. They are phenomenal lockboxes. They can be bolted down. They have simplex locks. They don't have that little biometric stuff that, you know, I mean, listen, have you ever tried opening up your, or unlocking your iPhone when you're, when your hands are sweaty from the gym, right? Um, right. you can't unlock your, your iPhone, much less you're not going to be able to unlock one of those biometric mm. safes. Or lock boxes. So, you know, um, go ahead and uh, invest in a quality way to secure your firearm, um, and be vigilant because children 
you can't um, parent out curiosity. Okay. Kids are going to be nosy and they're going to snoop. Hell, you know, come on, who doesn't snoop if they're in someone else's bathroom and you open their medicine cabinet? How many people have opened other people's medicine cabinets, right? It's human nature (laughs) to be curious. (laughs) It's human nature to be curious, right? Kids are curious. They're going to find that firearm, right? So make sure that you have honest discussions with with your children. And when um, when things uh, uh, when a situation allows you to take them to the range, take them to the range and have them at least listen to and hear that concussive force, mm. you know, that is a gun discharging. I'm not saying to have them in shoot, but it's one thing to you know play Call of Duty. It's another thing to watch a movie, and and it's a totally different thing to actually go to the range and have your feelings. Um, uh, rattle because of the concussive forces of the, one of these guns. It literally, literally gives you a level of respect that is, sure. uh, you know, it's hard. You're hard pressed to get anywhere else. So again, just just pa- parent, you know, just parent. Be a good parent. Yeah. That, that that's a good uh, fundamental principle to get at there, right? <laughs> Just be a parent. That you know, take yeah. responsibility. That that's certainly a very important part of this. You got to be involved. Uh, but getting back to, I, I think that uh, this uh, election aspect is going to be extremely important for gun owners come November because we see what uh, people on the other side have proposed. Uh, we see, we've seen the laws both at the state level and at the federal level, what these politicians are pushing for. And if we have a president coming into office who supports all these drastic measures of gun control, uh, that would put law abiding gun owners at a severe disadvantage, uh, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a serious issue. And I think our pe- people are waking up to that in this kind of a situation when they see that you know, police aren't arresting for certain offenses and police are uh, not as quick to respond under certain circumstances, not because so much of the people who are out there on the street, but because of administrative uh, decisions that have been made. And they realize, you know, I need to take some kind of responsibility to protect myself and to protect my loved ones. So, uh, you know, I don't know that Biden could possibly be the guy. Philly, Chris, what do you think about that? Do you think that he's I, I saw some article the other day claiming that he's ahead of Trump by like 10 points on the national scale. That can't be possible, is it? I would imagine the same people ran those numbers that probably ran the metrics for the last election, Mike. Uh, right. Like, you know. <laughs> that, that Hillary, 99.9%. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, because <laughs> Trump definitely was like, it was like 99% that, uh, you know, he was going to lose, right? But um, yeah, you know, it's it's a great point, Mike, and a good question. And, you know, I've been around working with numbers in the corporate world enough to see that, you know, uh, unfortunately, if people choose to, they can manipulate the numbers to tell the story that they want it to tell, you know, oftentimes they'll back into the numbers of the methodologies and use various sources. So it's kind of garbage in garbage out, but yeah, I just can't imagine at this point that that would be possible, especially with some of the things he's been exhibiting publicly. So I want to, with that, I want to get a a call out to Sean from New York to see what he's been up to. But before we do, I want to ask Jose one more thing about emergency preparedness. And for those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with The Law Matters on Fox News Radio WFYL. Jose, uh, we've got somebody coming on the program next week. 
And his name is Gary Wardak from Mosley Electronics, and they make antennas for ham radios. From what I understand, you've got a, a basic knowledge and working understanding of ham radios, right? Well, I'm in the process of actually learning about them, Mike. Uh, yeah, just learning about them. And again, it's just as a result of having just so much time to analyze all my shortcomings, you know, all my preparedness shortcomings. Um, things that I'm, you know, realizing that I, I, I lack in one way, you know, one thing I'm lacking is if there's a cell phone interruption or an internet interruption, how in the world am I going to communicate with people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so that led me to start um, researching ham radio and I by no means have a handle on it because it's, it's amazingly complex, but at the very least, you know, it, it, it probably afforded me a way to be able to connect with my loved ones and have an option other than smoke signals um, to be right. able to connect with people. Because uh, think about it, you know, cell phone goes down, you know, what, what are you going to do if your wife is at work and you're, you know, you're home or your kids are at school? How do you connect? How do you communicate? Can you use a cell phone, right. internet or a, uh, you know, or any kind of traditional means of communication. What do you do? So ham radio is, a, you know, and amateur radio is a, is a great solution. So, Chris, what do you know about ham radio, Chris? Um, you know, I've been around him a little bit. A good friend of mine growing up, his father had a ham radio set up in his workshop in the basement area of his home. He used to do TV and stereo repair, and we used to get on there and play with it sometimes and talk to people all over the world. I think it bounces off the ionosphere or something, right, uh, Jose? Isn't that how it works? Like it bounces the yes. signal all around the globe, right? Yeah, that's the other. Yeah, I honestly plays a big part in, in yeah. Uh, in certain times of the year or day would uh, affect it and all that. But it's pretty neat, though. I think that's great that you're talking about that because during a yeah. time like this, it's more likely than ever you might you might need one. Do you need a license for those, though? Right, Jose? Uh, you will. You absolutely. You absolutely need a license to be able to to transmit, to be able to receive. You don't need a license unless it's an emergency. But you know, but it's, it's one of the things that again, it, as you start, and I, I keep harping on this on personal like holes in my defense plan. You know. Um, I'm learning, you know, as much by my shortcomings as I am, any, you know, anything else. And one of these things is, is, um, you know, knowing how to be able to, to use a radio, a lot of preppers, you know, cause we're, we're all kind of like in the mindset of prepping, right. To a certain degree, right. Um, you, Mike and me. Um, so the common prepper, the common person that wants to prepare themselves for any eventuality is going to, will buy a radio. Right? right. And they'll stick that radio, they'll charge, they'll stick it in their go bag. Right. And mm -hmm. the problem is this, is that. When stuff hits the fan and you pull that radio out, um, everything from is the radio properly charged and do you have a way to charge that radio in the event that you can't get to an AC outlet to do you know how to set your frequencies, your transmit frequencies, your receive frequencies, where are the repeaters? As I started learning this stuff, I'm like, wow, this is really, really complicated and yeah. a lot more involved, hence the reason why you need a license. Right. And that, that's um, why right. I prefer that's why I prefer bacon radio because there's no license necessary. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. They're there much tastier too, Mike. They're uh, definitely and it tasty. smells good. Yeah. They are. <laughs> they are. For those of us just tuning in, you're listening to Mike G in the morning with the Law Matters, only on Fox News Radio, WFYL. Let's give Sean from New York a call. Russ. Sean from New York, are you with us? I'm with you, Mike. Thank you. Yes. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. We had to check in with you. Make sure you're doing well over there. How are you holding up? I'm doing great, uh, Mike. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for asking. What have you been up to since you came on last? Oh, well, you know what, Mike? I've uh, been thinking about the uh, aftermath of this. Uh, I think we're doing pretty well, but I, there's uh, 10 theses of a free citizen that I, that I demand from my government. 
Uh, they work for me. I don't work for them. And that's what makes me a citizen, not a subject. Oh, why do you, why don't you share it with us? That sounds, sounds interesting. Here's the 10 theses of a free citizen and I'll, I'll number them one through 10. Number one, after the aftermath, false all halts, stop all forms of immigration from third world countries, unless they can fulfill a skill form of employment that is in shortage. Number two, all new immigrants must be health screened and be able to pay health insurance by themselves or sponsored by their employer, as well as have a bank account with a minimal balance. Great. Mandatory deportations for all immigrants on welfare, as well as illegal immigrants, with the exception of parents of U.S. citizens. They may stay, but will not be granted U.S. citizenship. Number four, ban sanctuary cities and states and hold mayors uh, and governors culpable if they violate such a thing. Number five, end birthright citizenship. Number six, build two more U.S. Navy hospital ships so they can be placed in strategic locations. A, in the New York for the East Coast. The next one in the Gulf of Mexico for the Panhandle states as well as Puerto Rico. The third one in California for the East Coast. And a fourth in the Pacific Ocean for Hawaii and Pacific U.S. territories. Number seven. Congress and the Senate must pass bill demanding all manufacturing to be done in USA and trade only with developed nations, such as Japan, Singapore, France, etc. Number eight, a Social Security number must be required to apply for welfare benefits, such as housing, health care, nutrition, and education. Number nine, Congress and Senate must pass a law requiring pharmaceutical companies to stop price gouging. And finally, number 10 require states and their governors to compete for emergency management systems such as healthcare, emergency relief, and the National Guard force equipped with a Corps of Engineer in case of an endemic or worse, a pandemic. This is what I demand. Well, that, that's interesting, Sean. It seems like a couple of those things are geared towards immigration. I'll tell you this. Uh, for me, one of the things that... Uh, always drives me nuts talking with people on the opposite side of the political aisle is mm-hmm. when you say that you're against illegal immigration, they always yeah. turn the conversation into immigration. But you seem to, to have some points that think we need to restrict legal immigration. Is that what you're saying? Um, we need to bring people in that have a short in which there's a shortage of that uh, employment sector, which Americans cannot fulfill. So therefore, bring people in, and it's perfectly fine, but from first world developed countries. Let let other parts of the world develop on their own. As Eisenhower said, whatever America wants to pass on to the rest of the world must first pass on to the heart of America. We can help develop the world by developing ourselves. That's going to be a a Other countries are like that, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry to step over you there, Mike. Yeah, other, yeah. other countries are like that more, more like that, right? Like if we wanted to emigrate oh, well, to another country, they would probably only allow it. Or, and a lot of them don't even let us, right? Oh, absolutely. And Europe, I, I believe, I mean, I don't know about now because everything got changed, but they want Americans to have visas by 2020 or 2021 just to enter Europe. So they're getting stricter with us. Uh, don't you think that, uh, you know, to, to think that you're going to accomplish all these things at one time, that's a little uh, over the top. It's a, it's a little uh, pie in the sky, so to speak. But wouldn't you want to choose one thing and, and really try to get it done? For example, illegal immigration, if you were going to work on something like that, doesn't it require uh, a good portion of our attention in order to actually 
be successful with that? Absolutely. It, it sure is. But we're, we're at a point now where um, we can't let something like this happen again. Um, we have to be really careful with who comes in and who goes out and who comes back in again. And uh, I think it's going to take comprehensive uh, immigration reform. Um, the biggest type of reform ever was actually under President Eisenhower in the early 1950s. I, I believe in the in the following year there was a uh, there was a recession because so many people were deported, but so many Americans filled those jobs again, and they called it they don't call it the 1950s the golden age of America without a reason. So you think that Americans uh, had jobs because of that change? Um, absolutely, because um, what happened during the war, um, so many men went off to fight, and we needed people to work the fields and work. Uh, uh, low lower wage jobs. We actually accepted immigrants from Mexico, and people did come over uh, illegally at that time. And then when um, they came back in the early 1950s, there was uh, a bit of a recession. So what Eisenhower did was um, had a massive deportation. I believe it was called Operation Wetback. That's the actual name. And um, I, did, I, I have heard yeah. of that. I have heard of that. Mm. Yeah, I believe it was anywhere between 1.2 or up to 2 million uh, illegal immigrants. And the succeeding years after that, it was called America's Golden Age. Well, you know, when you look at uh, the issues that we've had with illegal immigration in this country, uh, you know, I think that's certainly something that you want to uh, try to fix at the outset. They always talk about how if you've got a flooded basement and the, the pipes are still busted, there's still water running all over the place, first thing you want to do be before you start trying to get the water out of there is to fix mm. the pipes, right? And Absolutely. Uh, you know, I guess that's why on this program we always say this is the free and open exchange of thoughts and ideas because, um, you know, you're bringing a perspective that I haven't necessarily sat there and thought about because typically you hear people say, you know, we wouldn't have so much illegal immigration if we'd fix the legal immigration system and we'd have a way for people to get here lawfully within a reasonable period of time. You're saying we're going to turn that upside down on yeah. its head and we're also going to get rid of illegal immigration. I don't know if, if practically that's possible. What do you have to say to that? You know, I don't know. Maybe one side of the aisle can actually work on fixing uh, a certain system. And then at the same time, another part of the aisle can uh, work on actually uh, getting rid of uh, people who, you know, un who are here unlawfully in the first place. I mean, maybe that's possible. Maybe. I mean, it's really hard to just. Um, well, I, I look at it this way. The ancient Romans fell largely due to uh, infectious diseases and the infectious diseases. Um, very well could have been brought on by Ill illegal immigration throughout um, the Germanic tribes that surrounded them. And um, not shortly after the uh, Roman em Eastern Roman Empire, I mean, the Roman Empire fell about a century later, they actually had the first um, the first phase of the plague, and that was the Justinian plague in the fifth uh, century. So, you know, these are pretty important issues. All right, Sean. Well, we appreciate you being on the program. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in for another episode of Mike G in the Morning. It was a pleasure to have Philly Chris and Jose with us. Stick around for We the People, The Constitution Matters. Pastor David Whitney, Professor Phil Duffy, I'll be joining as the legal analyst. Take care and stay safe, folks. <laughs>